0: Good morning, redeeming grace. Good morning, family. It is hey, There we go. It is good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. Amen. Uh, So I'm so excited to be with you guys today. Uh, I like Matt said, we've planted a church called City of Refuge in the Eau Claire community of Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, We're two and a half years in. We'll be celebrating uh, three years in April. And by God's grace, uh, we have seen some amazing things happen over the past two and a half years. We've seen close to 10 salvations. Uh, We baptized three people this year. We've got three more in the pipeline. My son is included in that, so praise God. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We just elected our first pastor. Uh, So we have an elder team now. We're getting that plurality started, man. We're working on it. Um, So I'm just so glad to be here. And also, I want to celebrate this with you. Uh, Your faithfulness is affecting Eau Claire. Yes and amen. But your faithfulness is going beyond Eau Claire. Because of your faithfulness, we have had the privilege of partnering with six church plants ourselves over the past two years in Washington, D.C., Cape Town, uh, South Africa, Cape Town, uh, Detroit, one in North Carolina, one in Rock Hill, and we have the privilege of bringing on two more church plants uh, by next year. Family, this is the trickle effect of the church. When God's people is faithful, his word doesn't just stop in a place, but it spreads like he told his people to do in Genesis chapter one. Be fruitful, multiply, spread everywhere. And I'm so thankful that you guys have been faithful and you guys continue to give. And I'm so thankful for your partnership as the Lord has seen God, the gospel spread in Eau Claire, but also start to spread in other parts of our world. All right, that's good. A little bit about me. Uh, if you wouldn't mind turning in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter eleven. Deuteronomy chapter eleven. We're only going to focus in on two verses, but I felt uh, as I was reading this morning, I was like, you know, it'd be good if we f- we read verse one through chapter nineteen. We're focused on eighteen and nineteen, so I'm gonna read and then our entire uh, reading, read it, and once we get to eighteen and nineteen, that's when we'll put the words up. Uh, And just to make me feel at home, would you mind standing for the reading of God's word? This is nothing special except just a sign that God's word is what we stand on and what we hold on to. But Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1 through 19, it reads, and I'll be reading from the CSB. It says, therefore, love the Lord your God and always keep his mandate and his statutes, ordinances and commands. Understand today that it is not your children who experienced or saw the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, strong hand, and outreach arm, his signs, and the works he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and all his land, what he did to Egypt's army, its horses and chariots, when he made the waters of the Red Sea flow over them as they they pursued you, and he destroyed them completely. What well, he did to you in the wilderness until you reached this place. And he did to Dathan and Abram, Abram the sons of Aleb, the Reubenite. When in the middle of the whole Israel, Israelite camp, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them. Their, ho- their households, their tents, and every living thing within them. Your own eyes have seen every great work the Lord has done. Keep every command I am giving you today so that you may have the strength to cross into and possess the land you are to inherit and so that you may live long in that land the Lord has sworn to your ancestors to give them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land you are entering to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and aggregated by hand as in in, in a vegetable garden. Uh, But the land you are entering to possess is a land of mountains and valleys, watered by rain from the sky. It is a land that your Lord, your God, cares for. He is always watching over it from the beginning to the end of the year. If you carefully obey my commands, I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and worship Him with all your hearts and all your soul. I will provide the, I will provide the rain for your land in the proper time, the autumn and spring excuse me, the autumn and spring rains, and you will harvest your grains, new wine and fresh oil. I will provide grass in your land for your lifestyle, your lifestyle. You will eat and be satisfied. Be careful that you are not enticed to turn aside and bow and worship to other gods. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut the sky and there will be no rain. The land will not yield its produce. You will perish quickly from the land the Lord is giving you. And here are our focus verses. And print these words of mine on your heart and mind. Bind them as a sign on your hands and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the roadside, when you lie down and when you get up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have your seats. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, as we have been over and over being reminded this morning that we are a waiting people. But as we wait, you constantly tell us to remember. Remember your faithfulness, to remember your goodness, to look towards you as we look for that day when we would stand before you, when we would sit at your table. Even as we just took of communion together, we were reminded that one day this will be the reality for all of eternity. So, Lord, as we prepare our hearts this morning, help us to remember your faithfulness. Help us to see your goodness. Show us in your word how you continue to tell us how to remember and how to live. I pray that you would hide me behind your cross this morning and that you would show your faithfulness to us. Speak from on high to your people and let us be changed. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning our sermon is called Live, uh, Leaving a Legacy of Worship. Uh, earlier this year I was reading a book called Still Away by Matt Carter and Aaron Ivy. It tells the story behind Charles Spurgeon, um, this, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, and Thomas Johnson, an American slave who escaped and became a student in Spurgeon's college and their unlikely friendship. Great read, highly recommend, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is we remember the faithfulness of Charles Spurgeon, but we don't remember the legacy that came before Charles Spurgeon. It actually was an interesting thing that was brought up in the book I never thought about, but it was the story of his greatest influence, his grandfather, James Spurgeon. For 44 years, James Spurgeon was a minister of the people who worshiped in the meeting house at uh, Staburn, England. He was a man of comfort and was on excellent terms with the rector of the parish, which was uh, a difficult thing to do in the 1800s in England because he was of another denomination. He had great preaching gifts, and wherever he went, he was able to call men to Christ. Charles Spurgeon even tells a story about an older gentleman coming up to him and says, man, whenever a Spurgeon comes to town, I come running because I know he is going to preach heaven down. He had a dry sense of humor. And later, his grandson, Charles, was also known to be a man with dry sense of humor. He was a man of influence. And his influence lived beyond himself. It actually went on to affect the world, and as we know through Charles, give us the greatest preacher in the 20th, 19th and 20th century. You see, Charles Spurgeon left a legacy. It was a legacy of prayer, evangelism, faithfulness and preaching that would go on shape the whole world. And that legacy was not best reflected in how we remember him, but actually how we remember who came behind him. Family, have you ever sat back and thought, what is the legacy I'm leaving? How will people remember you? Tomorrow, me and my wife, we will be celebrating 13 years of marriage. Yes, that's amen. <clears throat> this past Thursday, Thanksgiving, my son just had his 12th birthday. Around this time of the year, I spent a lot of time just reflecting and thinking. How would I be remembered as the years pass? How will I be remembered or how will they talk about me? Will I be remembered for the jokes I tell, sometimes funny? Will I be remembered for my personality? Will I be remembered for the good things I did in my community or that we planted a church? Will I be remembered as a good friend, husband, and father? All these things are honorable and good. But the main thing I think I want to be remembered for, and I think all of us should desire to be remembered for, is how did we love Jesus? How did we worship? How did we follow? Because if we do that well, everything else lines up. Seek ye the kingdom of God first, and all things will be added unto your life. How will you be remembered? What legacy are you leaving behind? This is a question we must all wrestle with. Whether you have children or not, whether you are single, married, or and whether you are at the end of uh, getting closer to the end of your life or you're just starting a life, you should wrestle with this question. And today in our text, we get to see as Moses is giving his final servants, uh, his final sermon to God's people as they prepare to enter the promised land, him talk about legacy. He wants us to leave a legacy reminding people to follow the ways of the Lord and there is this resounding all throughout the book of Deuteronomy remember God. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his love. Remember his deliverance. Remember how much a curse will be on you if you turn away from him. Remember the blessing that his ways bring to his people. As Moses himself did not get to enter the promised land, he wanted to make sure that God's people remembered how they should live, how they should act, and how it will affect those beyond, behind them. So our sermon today is all about how to leave a legacy. It boils down to two main points I want you to walk away from this place. It's simply remember and invite. Let's look at verse 18, verse 18. He says, imprint imprint these words of mine on your heart and minds, bind them as a sign on your hands, and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Moses, as he's echoing this remembrance, is telling the people, this is how you remember. You first must remember to devour his word telling the Israelites that no matter what, they must get God's word inside of them. He wants them to get them deep within him, on your heart, on your mind. Write them down on your hand, if that will help you remember. Walk around with them tattooed on your forehead, if that will help you remember. At the end of the day, get these words inside of you. Remember to devour at all costs. Now, here's a question for you how seriously are you at taking God's word and remembering it? This has actually been a practice I've started this year myself, is I just want to remember text. I actually, as much as I can remember names, as I can remember places, I'm actually really bad about remembering just one verse at a time. But the reason it's hard for me to remember isn't because I'm hard, it's hard for me to read, but it's hard for me to stop. It's hard for me to sit still. It's hard for me just to meditate because I feel I need to do more and more. And it feels like as I'm planning a church, as I'm living life, as I'm a husband, as a, as a father, everything is grabbing for my attention. Am I the only one that feels that way? <laughs> I want to let you know there is truly something always grabbing for our attention. And Moses says, remember, devour Devour. But as we remember to devour, often we are very passive. We think we just do the right things, and all the things will be happening. He said, "No, no. Be aggressive about it. Devour it, feed it, grab onto it as every morsel of truth." But how do we do this? How do we devour it at such a cost? Well, as we remember to devour his word, we also do this because we see the value of his word. We first have to understand the value of his word. We won't remember it unless we remember that it's important. The psalmist writes, David writes in Psalm 119 I have treasured your words in my heart so that I may not sin against you. This is a treasure. That's not just a treasure that we want to get more knowledge and know more things, but it's a treasure that helps us to store so that we won't do the thing that is so ultimately hurtful and offensive, sin before a holy God. Now, will you ever be sinless? Not until glory. But remembering to devour his word helps us not to wander because we are a wandering people. We are very forgetful people. I leave the house often and forget my keys. I have locked myself out the house. If I can do something that practical that I, I grab my keys every day, how often do I forget his word? Which is why we must stop, slow down, devour, eat. Often, more and more of his word. Find a time, not just your little quiet time, but even after you read a passage, talk about it. Walk around and just meditate on it. Speak it to yourself. Sing it to yourself. Whatever you must do, because we are prone to wander, but his word helps us to hold on to him. As the hymn writer writes, As we're prone to water, and Lord, I feel it, we're prone to leave the God we love, but then he, his word, here's my heart. This is a sign of us giving him our heart, it's us taking our heart and him sealing it, sealing it over and over with his word. This is why Moses tells them as you are going into the promised land remember your children didn't experience what you've experienced but you have so remember his word hold on to his word let it be the anchor that keeps you to the ground how have you been in devouring his word how have you held on to it day and night This is why the Lord spoke through Moses previously in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. When we get the Shema, the, the God is one. He says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Remembrance is an act of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul. With all your strength. These words I'm giving you today are to be... In your heart, he's saying at all costs. As you're trying to remember, do it with everything you have. We give all of our attention, all of our strength, all of our energy to so many other things. But he's saying, do the same thing with this word. Am I the only one that sit around and can binge a whole Netflix series? <laughs> Think about it. Just sit there and binge it. Just focus on it. Why don't I do the same thing with God's word? For all my younger people who will understand this, I just finished the whole, Netflix, uh, the whole One Piece series. See, just, I, I heard the people that said what? They understand. That's 1,084 episodes of a cartoon. <laughs> Took me four months. It was a great time. Um, but, <laughs> but as I was doing it, I even had some of my church members say, are you spending time with the Lord? I was like, yes, I am. I promise you I am. But just think about if I could still put so much effort and energy into God's word. This is an act of love. But this isn't just an act of love for me, but this is the great command that helps me to love others well. As I remember to partake, in verse 19 it says, invite others, uh, as I remember to devour, verse 19 says, invite others to partake. Verse 19, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lay down and when you get up. As he's telling them, remember his word, he's saying, this is also something you invite others into at all times. Let the Lord's word be present in all that you do. Let it be the thing that flows out of you when you're having conversations over a meal. Let it be the thing you talk about with your children. Let it be the things you talk about with friends as you go on walks. Let it be the thing that flows out of you. This helps us remember, but it also is the thing that helps us invite. As I was sitting on on the front, I was just praying, and I was like, Lord, how, who really needs to hear this? And I felt it was two categories of people. I mean, everybody needs to hear this, but it was two categories of people that really the Lord pressed on my heart. It was for those who were younger, and it was like, well, I don't think about legacy that much. I, I, I don't, you know, I'll get there one day. Ecclesiastes says this beautiful text. It says, remember the Lord in your youth. Oh, family. I talk to my son often. He just turned 12, like I said, and I said, son... If you start every day, as the psalmist says, this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad. And he's even starting to say it back to me, I rejoice today, Dad. I said, this is a sign that the Lord is with you and he is the one who is in control of your day. And anything that happens throughout this day, if you just remember this one thing, you will know the Lord is the one that's sovereign over today. Oh. In your youth, remember the Lord. Look, youth don't last always. There will become a day when there is more days behind you than ahead of you. So if you remember the Lord, now he will be the light to your feet. He will set you on the paths of righteousness for his name. He will be the one who will teach you and show you all truth. And he will be the one who helps your life to flourish. But not just Flourish but when the ground shakes from under you, he will be the one who holds you up. (laughs) Like I said, there was two categories of people. That's for my younger people, but for my older people, my gray-haired saints, and some of you might be graying earlier. It's okay. The Bible said that's a sign of wisdom. I want you to know the Lord's not done with you yet. Oh, man, one thing our church plan, we long for older saints. Me and my wife, we laugh about it all the time, saying, Man, we are some of the oldest people in our church. A church full of 30 and 20-somethings, it's beautiful, but it's aggravating at times. I'm like, Lord, when are we going to get some wisdom? I mean, I'm trying to be as wise as I can. (laughs) But that's why the Lord still blesses his church with those who have age and days, more days behind them than ahead of them. But the reason... It's not because you're coming to an end. No, it's because you're trying to prepare those who are behind you. You're helping them to remember that the Lord will be with them when the trials come. You have faced more things than some of them ever will. And they need your voice. I can say it personally. We need your voice. Remember that the Lord is with you. Remember the Lord is still using you. Abraham at 99 was not done. And neither are you. So as we remember, remember that and we're not just remembering for our own sake, but we are doing this to invite others. Back to verse 19. I had to stop and put a pause right there. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the roads. That doesn't mean you have to always do an extensive Bible study or have a Bible study ready. Ready? people should be able to know that your life is saturated with God's word. That it's apparent, it relates to all areas of your life. There should be something different about your life that you can offer others. Moses even went as far to say it should affect your household. Jumping back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 9. He says, write them on your doorposts of your house, and on your city gates. That way, when you invite others to partake, they see what's been nourishing your soul. They see what reigns over your house. The Lord, word of the Lord reigns over your house. They, they see why you live the way you live in the city, because the Lord, of the, the Lord that lives in your city lives sovereignly through you in your city. It's privilege of taking almost a newborn taking a child such a sweet beautiful thing before they ever learn to talk back and all those other things and just getting the baby and feeding the baby because you as one who has been nourished has the privilege to nourish someone else this is what it's like to bring others along to invite them to partake A beautiful sign of that even taking place in our own church, there's this young lady named Leah. I called her earlier this week and told her, hey, I'm gonna talk about you, and she said, cool, so I could say her name. Leah, she is socially awkward. She, and and again, I told her I'm gonna say these things, so that's why I'm saying it. I wanna make sure y'all know I ain't talking bad about my people. She's socially awkward, she's insecure, she's self-conscious all the time. But she has this interesting thing that I haven't seen in many people. She remembers everything said. Every conversation. She'll be like, remember you said this in this sermon six months ago? I was like, no, I don't. Not at all, actually. When she's around others She'll just be like, remember how Jesus loves you? And I mean, just regular conversation. This isn't to show off, but this is just because she hasn't devoured and took and take. And beautiful thing about it is as socially awkward, as strange as she often is, as self-conscious as she often is, she is one of the quickest people to walk, to some, walk up to someone and say, you know, Jesus died for you. He, he, he loves you. Actually, her and her husband was one of the people who invited someone to accept Christ early this year while they were playing Roblox. Again, for those who don't know what Roblox is, just just find the chuckles in the room. They know what Roblox is. It's a video game. Just just a conversation and and the person said, hey, uh... The sermon said something this week, and I, I was confused. What does this mean? And she said, oh, that means you must repent and believe and follow Jesus. And, and she just off the top, just remembering the words that the Bible spoke and just said these things. And the person said, I want that. She's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. You don't understand. That means you got to, like, submit to Jesus. you got to follow Jesus. you got to cast your sins upon him and trust that he is saved. She's like, yeah, yeah, I want that. Stopped everything. In the middle of the night, I still laugh about the story because I was trying to go to bed. And and her and her husband were texting me and Crystal, so excited. Stopped everything, went to pray for this woman. But the first thing she did after they prayed for this woman is saying, okay, these are the days we're going to get together and just read God's word together. (laughs) Here's the life of somebody who's devouring God's word, but they're also inviting others to partake. Family, who are you inviting to partake of God's word with you? Maybe you're in a season of life where you're like, I don't really have anyone that I can invite to partake of God's word with me. Start praying. It's actually a prayer we say every Bible study at our church. We say, who are you praying for? Who are you praying the disciple? And then how can we pray for you? Just so start praying. And the Lord who is faithful because he knows you care for his word and you care for his kingdom will start to bring people, draw people closely. And then you will start to live, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or we need like some letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letters, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You know that you are Christ's letters, delivered by us, not written with ink, but by the, with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Paul is writing to this church of Corinth saying, don't you know that you are God's epistles and letters? And wherever you go, people are looking at your life and they're reading the truths of God. But here's also the problem. If you're not living and remembering and taking his word and inviting others, there also can be reading lies about God. How he's not faithful. How he's not trustworthy. How he's not someone they should put their hope in. Oh, family. Remember the God who is faithful. Remember the God who has delivered. Remember the God who has continued to show up. And remember the God that while you were still a sinner, loved you so much that he sent his only son, his only begotten son, who saw your sins, who saw your evil ways, yet took it upon himself, died on a hill called Calvary. For you and me, shedding his blood So that we can be robed in his righteousness. This is what we proclaim when we take of communion. We remember the blood, the body that was broken on our behalf, the blood that was shed on our behalf. But as you remember these things, you also remember that that death wasn't the end. Oh, but he came out of that grave. The living word of God came back to life, resurrected, not not saying he resuscitated. No, he took life back into himself. And everyone who trusts in him, they now have life in them. Do you know this God? As I'm asking you to remember and invite, first you must know. You must know this truth. If you don't know this truth... I want to tell you this fun story about James Spurgeon with Charles. James Spurgeon had this uh, rocking chair. He used to sit outside of his house. And one night it was raining and storming. And Charles ran outside to find his grandfather, but his grandfather was undeterred. He took a cup, he cupped his hand and grabbed some of the water. And he said, Son, you don't have to be afraid. Taste and see. Family, from that day on, Charles was marked as one who has tasted and seen because of the legacy of his grandfather. <laughs> Have you taste and see that the Lord is good? Have you put your refuge in him? If you have not, today is the day you can taste and see and know that the Lord is good. You can find your refuge in him. Anyone in this church who has proclaimed Christ as their Savior is happy to tell you of the goodness of the Lord. Today is the day you can taste and see. And you can start to live this life of legacy. A legacy of worship. But if you are one who already has taste and seen, then you are one who must just remember and invite others to taste and drink of this living water. What will your legacy be? A life of worship that is remembering and inviting? Or one of unfaithfulness that continues to run away from this truth? Will you pray with me? Oh, Father, help us today as those who have declared we have tasted and seen that you are good, that your mercies endure forever, that your grace continues to pursue after us. Help us to be a people who truly have tasted and seen, and as we have tasted and seen, we invite others to partake as we remember. Lord, I pray today that if there are those in our midst today who have not taste and seen, that you would call them to yourself, that you would remind them of the truths of what your son has done on our behalf, that you would pierce their hearts and help them to see their sin and desperate need of redemption today. And that they will profess, they will confess to someone and ask, what must I do? And the simple question will be answered, repent and believe. Oh, Lord, I pray you do draw many to yourself today. And for those who are already yours, I pray that you will continue to live this testimony through us as we remember your goodness and look to that day when we will sit at your table. Where where faith will become sight and what we're tasting on this side of eternity, we would taste for eternity itself. The fullness of of your feast so Lord we lift this time up with you and we offer our worship up to you it's in your son Jesus name we pray amen